uh, a news story that we've been following in the big, big development yesterday uh, and this morning, too. Uh, this morning, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that Canada will not be intimidated. Um, this after China this morning expelled a Canadian diplomat uh, in retaliation for Ottawa expelling a Chinese diplomat on Monday. Expelling a diplomat, declaring a uh, foreign diplomat uh, persona non grata is a significant and serious step. And we took a little less than a week to reflect on it, to look at the possible implications, to make sure that what we were doing both demonstrates Canada's firmness, which it does, but also keeps Canadians and our interests protected. So the Prime Minister is saying, OK, we, we did what we had to do. And we paid our due diligence and took a week to make the decision. Now, relations between the two countries obviously not great um allegations of attempted interference in canadian society and elections by the chinese uh, communist regime got even worse on monday ottawa declared toronto-based diplomat zhao wei persona non grata in response as we say uh this morning a canadian diplomat uh, was declared persona non grata by the chinese government at the middle of it all is the case around conservative mp michael chong um who we uh through some reporting by the Globe mail found out that the canadian security and intelligence service CSIS, had reported that he had been targeted in an intimidation effort uh, around his relatives in Hong Kong. He says, obviously, that is unacceptable, should have been dealt with, and should have been dealt with quickly. This crossing the line of diplomacy into foreign interference threat activities is utterly unacceptable here on Canadian soil. The fact that a member of parliament and their family was being targeted by the PRC here in Canada for the government to have taken action on this, this should have happened years ago. Well, it didn't happen years ago, but it did happen this week. So let's get into it. What, uh, how did we finally get there and where do we go from there? We're going to speak now, um, with Charles Burton, a senior fellow at McDonald Laurier Institute and a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. So this whole diplomatic situation, he knows about it. So Charles, um, Canadian government did it. Uh, the diplomat at the center of all of this declared persona non grata yesterday by our government. Um, what's your reaction? Was that the right move and was it overdue? Oh, I think it was the right move for sure. Um, you know, I wish we'd um, expelled all of his colleagues from the Ministry of State Security who are engaged in espionage, menace and harassment activities uh, using their diplomatic cover. Um, uh, you know, but the, the point is that the government was made aware of this two years ago when CSIS did some um, phone taps and discovered that the Chinese government wanted to intimidate Michael Chong, who was working on a resolution condemning the um, uh, Chinese activities against the Uyghur people as genocide, which passed in the end by unanimous vote in the House of Commons, and that they planned to get down heavy on Mr. Chong's family in Hong Kong, which, you know, they're trying to affect how a member of our parliament votes and what proposals the member brings to parliament by um, making them have to worry about what impact this will have on their loved ones in a faraway country. Well, I mean, this just goes well beyond the pale, and we should have had uh, Mr. Zhao out of Canada you know, within a minute after that. And the fact that the government evidently sat on this information for two years until someone in our national security establishment decided to violate their commitment to secrecy and leak it to the Globe and Mail 
and then it comes out and all of a sudden the government decides that they made a mistake and going to do something about it. But so far we're not seeing any accountability on the part of whoever made the decision to stick the report about harassment of Mr. Chong's family deep into a drawer for two years. Well, that, that, that's the question. In terms of that report itself, Charles, I mean, we, there's been all kinds of, why didn't you do it? And the Prime Minister says, well, we didn't have any names. We didn't know who it was. It didn't rise to this level. So where is the, is the breakdown? I mean, once we get a report like this, I mean, how much detail is needed? Where where do you think the, the, the problem was with the way this file was handled, like you say, for over a couple of years? Well, I mean, it concerns me that the Prime Minister initially tried to make CSIS take the hit for it by saying, oh, they didn't refer it to us. And then in a sort of Watergate-like moment, his national security advisor, who reports to the Prime Minister and the Prime Minister alone, Jody Thomas, says, no, that's not true. You know, it went to the national security advisor at the time, wasn't her, and to various elements all over the Canadian government. So a lot of people knew about this. And a lot of people were prepared to simply keep quiet as nothing was done to protect Mr. Chong from this kind of uh, appalling intimidation. So, you know, that that does call into question ministerial responsibility and the idea that even if the prime minister didn't read that piece of reporting over his desk, that uh, something went seriously wrong with his staff and For that, he is responsible. And I think, you know, really, I think we should be seeing some resignations by the Prime Minister and the Minister of Public Security over this scandal. But, um, you know, the days of cabinet ministers taking responsibility and resigning seem to have ended in the Moroni era, and we're not seeing any indications of that. But, you know, if we're going to take this seriously, then we ought to say to people, you know, not just, I mean, of course, we should be saying to the Chinese that we're not going to tolerate you're harassing and intimidating people inside Canada. And we should say to the government that you simply cannot ignore this, thinking that if you're nice to China while you're in a position of public trust, that maybe you'll get some lucrative job when you go into retirement. You know, this is just just shouldn't be happening. And we are proposing legislation to deal with it, a Foreign Agents mm-hmm. Registry Act that would require people in the policy process who are receiving money or benefits from a foreign company, a uh, government, to declare it, which, you know, you can take the money if you want, but you just have to let us know so we know that there could be a conflict of interest there. Yeah, we can, we can gauge your credibility. Um, you mentioned, you know, being nice to China and, and, and those sorts of situations. Now, in addition to expelling the diplomat, they said other diplomats have been warned they face the same fate. I mean, what do you think the the understanding is among these diplomats, especially the ones from China, when we know that, uh, like you and I have talked about, they just sort of bully us, it seems. Um, how concerned are they? Is, does this change the relationship that they have? Do they think, wow, maybe Canada's finally going to uh, walk the walk along with Talk the Talk? Well, you hope so. I mean, as I say, they only expelled one diplomat two years into it when public opinion, you know, turned against them big time. Yeah. I mean, what about all the rest of them who are still, you know, I'm sure that CSIS has a list of dozens of Chinese, Russian, Iranian diplomats who are engaged in this kind of unacceptable activity. And the government has chosen just to, you know, let it go. Let's keep the peace. We don't want to disrupt the possibility for Canadian business to get into that huge Chinese market or, you know, or we don't want to, we don't want to, expose uh, people, respected political figures who are now working for China-related boards or think tanks or 
you know, businesses that do a lot of work with China and so on to, we don't want to, we don't want to see them looking bad. I mean, this is just, uh, you know, too politicized for words. And what we really need to be doing is protecting Canada's security and sovereignty against increasingly blatant activities by a hostile regime. And, you know, we've got, I think question period in the House of Commons will probably be all China the whole time. And then we've got not one, but two meetings of the Procedures and House Affairs Committee today dealing with foreign influence. The Ethics Committee is also doing a study of Chinese foreign influence. You know, this this should be sending a signal to China that the gig is up and we've got your number. And, uh, you know, get into compliance with the norms of international diplomacy and trade and stop messing with with Canada, we're just not going to put up with it anymore. Now, China has shown uh, repeatedly that those norms that you talk about and the international norms uh, don't really seem to matter all that much, especially when it comes to their dealings with Canada. Um, Melanie Jolie last week in a pretty heated exchange with Michael Chong in the House of Commons was talking about, listen, we, we got to consider what the consequences are. There will be consequences. She invoked the two Michaels saying, hey, listen, we saw what happened last time they got upset with our, something that we did. Um Again, what's your reaction to that? I guess we do have to do the due diligence. That's the job of the government. But at the same time, you got to do what you got to do, don't you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, you know, the government says that they didn't act on Mr. Zhao uh, immediately because of diplomatic, consular, and economic consequences. Yeah. Well, I mean, geez, Louise, the economic consequences, you're, you're worried that, uh, you know, you think it's okay for China to intimidate a member of our parliament um, if that if the if if that's the only way to to keep some trade deal going? I mean, you know, like the point is that if China sanctions our products going into China, then we'll have an overflow of inventory that will reduce our price and make us more competitive in other markets. So, you know, the, it, the market will deal with this. We can't allow China to dictate to us. Um, whether or not we're able to protect Canadians of Chinese origin from an autocratic regime because of, of economics. You know, and it, anyway, it just doesn't work. They tried this with Australia. It failed. I mean, in terms of the consular uh, diplomatic thing, of course, they, they expelled a diplomat out of Shanghai. You know, same rank, same sort of position, a major consulate. Fine. You know, that's normal. But uh, in terms of the consular thing, this is worrying. But, you know, we cannot give in to intimidation that China can do arbitrary detention and hostage diplomacy of our people to keep us into line domestically in Canada. I mean, my suggestion is a travel advisory and anyone who doesn't need to be in China who might be subject to being picked up by the Chinese police for no good reason, as Kovrigan's favor were, or maybe refused exit from China on some spurious grounds like you know, get into another line of work and and get out of China because you know you're exposing yourself to to danger that nobody wants to see you incurring those consequences. I, I think the government would have been wiser to have put out a travel advisory a week before they decided to take Mr. Zhao Wei in to give Canadians an opportunity for the for the fallout from this. But we didn't do that, and I am grievously concerned about Canadians in China. And I'd really urge anyone listening to this program, if you have any plans to go to China for tourism in the next little while, I would cancel them. Um, 
Yeah, well, we know the Chinese government did come out and say, you know, they, they've expelled this diplomat, but they say they, they're not done. There could be more actions. Yeah, I mean, how, how far do you think it goes? Will we see a situation where Canadians are snatched up off the street? Will there be trade consequences? Like, just how far do you think this might escalate? Well, I mean, that's the way that regime rolls, right? I mean, obviously, at this time, when there is so much focus on uh, China, where we're considering this Foreign Agents Act, where we're considering doing something serious in an Indo-Pacific strategy, you know, if I was advising the Chinese government, I would say, like, expel the Canadian diplomat from Shanghai and then, you know, just cool it. But that's not the way they function. You know, they're almost certain to try and and do some kind of gray area claiming that some Canadian product, like the canola seeds before, is unacceptable for import into China and cancelling the contract, or indeed some kind of harassment of um, Canadian citizens in China. It, you know, that's the, that, there are just too many precedents for that with Korea, Japan, Australia, and Canada when we were holding the Huawei CFO, Meng Wanzhou, right, yeah. pending that extradition request. So, you know, that is their pattern. So I wish they would take my advice on this, but, you know, uh, they may be listening in, but (laughs) I don't seem to have a good record of telling the Chinese to do the right thing. They typically end up doing the wrong thing, sorry to say. Yeah, and and you know what? I think your warning is uh, is well placed. I mean, uh, it, it's perhaps not the best place for Canadians to be right now, especially if you don't need to be there, right? I mean, it's it's risky. Yeah, there are a lot of fine tourist destinations that there are. are not China that I would say people <laughs> would do well to explore instead. Charles, I, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I, I thank you once again for being here. I appreciate it.